This is Zoe Church LA. We're not just fans, but rather followers of Jesus. Tune in as Pastor Chad Veach teaches of God's love and how we can live a Zoe life, an abundant life. We are concluding today a series that we've been in. Uh, I like to call them episodes. This is the fourth episode, which means the final episode. Uh, anybody love to TV binge watch? Where are my binge watchers at? I love to TV binge watch, and I can't. when I watch TV, I can't wait to get to that last episode because I hope that the writers didn't fail me, okay? So hopefully the preacher don't fail you today. But this is the last installment of a series that we've been going through called Crownless King. I just love this series because it really highlights... The fact that Jesus, though he was God, became man. Though he was the king of all, he humbled himself and became the servant of all. Humbled himself so much that he lived on this earth for 33 and a half years without his crown. Cast down his crown to serve humanity. And the epic climactic conclusion of his life was death on a cross followed up by resurrection from the grave. So we believe in this crownless king, and we believe that right now, today, this morning, during this service, he is back in heaven. He is back at his rightful seated place. The crown has been returned on his brow. It's not a crown of thorns this time. Anybody believe today he has the crown of many crowns? Come on, somebody praise Jesus with me today. Y'all have to be careful. Zoe talks back so much and so loud. I try and be sophisticated in the first service, but y'all always pull it out of me and I start preaching. But anyways, but anyways. But one of the things I love about, about Jesus was now get a picture. He is, he is king. Remember that show a few years ago they had on TV where they hid the CEO and they brought the CEO and he just came up in the company as like the garbage man? Now imagine Jesus, he, he's the king, but now he's a, he's a human, he's a servant. And one of the things I want to prepare us for as we get ready to give in heart for the house, I want you to see how Jesus handled riches. How Jesus handled not just money, because you can have no money and be rich like the fiddler on the roof, if I were a rich man. And watch what it says here in 2 Corinthians. This is Paul the apostle writing about our Jesus. Watch what he says here in chapter 9, verse 8. Chapter 8, verse 9. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, so that you by his poverty, you might become what? Rich. So think about that. Though he had everything, he humbled himself and gave away all of it so that through his giving away all of it, he might stay poor, but you might get rich. Now, when I use that word rich, don't let me lose you because today, today, this morning, I don't know what your bank account looks like, but I am rich in his love. I am rich in his grace. I am rich in forgiveness of my sins. I am rich in peace on my pillow. And come on, let's just clap right now. Just thank God. I am rich in ways that no bank account can show. Anybody thankful? I'm rich in friends. Anybody else? I'm, I'm rich in my church being a church that's blessed to be a blessing. So he had it all but gave it all. And through his giving it all, now I have it all. 
His poverty, his, his giving brought me everything that I would need. And it's through this lifestyle of generosity that I am reminded that I, I heard Joel Osteen say this one time, I am most like God when I give. And I'm most like God when I give. Why? Because God, by nature, is a giver. God is not shrewd. God is not, he is not cheap. God is a generous God. Think about the generosity of God. John chapter 3, verse 16. I can see it on Timmy Tebow's eyebrows. For God so loved the world that he, what did he do? He gave. And what did he give? Half best, second rate. No, he gave the best thing that he could give. He gave his one and his only son. That if anybody were to believe in this man that lived on this earth 33 and a half years, they would not perish, but they would have what? Everlasting life. So God is a giver. So I'm like God when I give. Law of opposite could be I'm like the enemy, which is the devil when I am cheap and stingy. I am like the world when I withhold, but I am like God when I bless. I love this because there's a story in the Bible that always makes me think of generosity and it makes me think of the way that God wants me to give. Watch here in the book of Mark chapter 6. Now that I've said all that, watch how the Bible reads. This is a story of Jesus. 34, by the time Jesus came ashore, a massive crowd was waiting. At the sight of them, his heart was filled with compassion because they seemed like wandering sheep who had no shepherd. So he taught them many things. Late that afternoon, his disciples said to him, uh, Sir, it's getting really late, and we're here in this remote place with nothing to eat. Um, sir, you should send the crowds away so they can get to Red Robin and Chili's and Outback Steakhouse, and they can go into the surrounding villages and buy food for themselves. I love Jesus. But he answered them, Nah, man. My translation, you give them something to eat. Are you sure? They replied, you really want us to go buy them supper? It would cost a small fortune to feed all these thousands of hungry people. And Jesus says, and this is what he always does to you and I. How many loaves of bread do you have? He asked, go and see. And after they had looked around, they came back and they said, well, Jesus, we have five plus, we got a couple fish. Then he instructed them to organize the crowd and have them sit down in groups on the grass. So they had them sit down in groups of hundreds and fifties, which by the way, pause real fast. Jesus is showing you and I a model of before God ever blesses your life, he always asks you to organize your life. Your life is set up to handle the blessing that God can pour out. So God said, before I perform a miracle, you need to get things straight. You need to get things in order. You need to get them sitting down because if I just... Some of us want a blessing. You're not ready to handle the blessing. God, bless me. You don't know how to run a budget. How could I bless you? God, I want a spouse. You don't, you know, you don't even know how to be nice to strangers. How could you be nice to a spouse? So God, before he ever does a miracle, he always, he always, always makes sure you're ready to handle the miracle. 
I don't know who I'm preaching to right now, but I felt like telling somebody, before you go beg, borrow, and steal to get something, you better set your life up so you can handle something. Somebody thank God that Zoe Church is setting ourselves up to handle the blessing of the Lord. Then Jesus had them sit down in groups of hundreds and fifties. Then he took the five loaves and the two fish and gazed into heaven and he gave thanks to God. And he broke the bread. Remember, God cannot bless something and multiply something until it's broken. Some people are like, I don't understand none of what you just said, sir. If you ever want God to multiply your life and to bless your life, God always breaks something before he uses something. So he breaks it. And, and gazes into heaven and says, thank God for it. And he distributed them to the disciples to serve the people. And the food was multiplied in front of their eyes. I'm waiting for God to do something in front of your very eyes. Just when you look at it, you see it. You can't even believe that it happened right in front of your eyes. Come on, Zoe. It doesn't just happen in Africa. It doesn't just happen in Latin America. It doesn't just happen to people in the South. Anybody believe that a blessing could run up on you today in Los Angeles? Somebody say amen. It, it happened in front of their eyes, and everyone had plenty to eat and was fully satisfied. Then the 12 disciples picked up what was remained. And each of them ended up with a basket full of leftovers. Proving once again that God is not just the God of enough. He's the God of more than enough. God doesn't keep you barely holding on. No, our God makes your cup runneth over. He'll give you so much you got a little something left over to get to Nordstrom. Somebody say amen. I felt like blessing somebody right there. Is there enough for me to buy a pair of Yeezys? Absolutely in Jesus' name. I want to bless the fires, but God, I need to get the new Yeezys. You do both of them, okay? Leftovers. Altogether, 5,000 families. Altogether, 5,000 families were fed that day. Altogether, 5,000 families were fed off of a couple of, just a couple of fish and a little bit of bread. How could it be that God could use my little bit to do a lot of it? How could it, God, I don't have nothing. Most of us are looking at what you have, your, your life, your status, your bank account with the wrong lens, with the wrong perspective. Stop looking and saying, what, God, this is all I have. These are the cards I've been dealt. This is the place I'm in. I don't have what they have. God is not holding you accountable to what your neighbor has. He's only holding you accountable to what you have. And every time we say it's impossible, you want me to feed that? You want me to help fire victims, God? You want me to help those that suffered in Thousand Oaks? Somebody else, God always asks us, what do you have? What do, what do you have today? What do you have right now? I want to preach a message today, and I felt like just saying this with boldness to somebody. Write down the title. It's called, I've Got Something to Give. And I'm praying that by the time you leave this service, whether you're watching the stream today or whether you're here in the audience, that you leave this message going, I've got something to give. You might be here today going, I don't have any money. That's all right. You've got time. The cheapest way to be generous is through money. Anybody can give money away, but true gener generosity is giving away your time. 
You might be here today going, I don't have any time. My time is full. Yeah, but you have talent. And why don't you use your talents rather than to build your brand, to build God's house? Amen. I've got something to give. Tap somebody next to you and just tell them, I've got something to give. I've got something to give. I don't know what it is, but I'm going to find out. I've got something to give. Come on, let's pray. And let's ask God to come and speak to us today. Jesus, we thank you that you are so awesome and so amazing, so wonderful. You are the most generous. And God, we are asking today, will you give us an insight, an understanding, a revelation of generosity? We want to be like you. God, we're asking you, show us ways to bless. Show us ways to give. Show us ways to add value. Crown this king. Teach us how you casted down your riches to make other people blessed. We want to be like that. We thank you for it. And God, we're believing that this year it will be the Lakers and the 76ers in the NBA finals and the Lakers will win the championship in Jesus name and everybody said together come on somebody thank God come on clap your hands in Jesus name go Tyson okay um I'm gonna give you right down number one just write this the first point down today could it be that God wants to use what I have I want to start this message off by asking a question to ourselves. Could it be, is it possible that God wants to use what I have? Because I want to convince you that you have something and you have something to give. And could it be possible, let's just use our imagination for a moment, that God wants to use what I have. What's in my possession. I've got, I've got a place to live I've got family, I've got clothes, I've got some food, I've got a little bit of talent, I've got some time in my schedule. Could it be that God wants to you? could God need what I have? I love that story uh, of Jesus, and Jesus, he's getting ready to, to come make his triumphant entry, uh, his triumphal entry into the city, and before he goes in, he says to the guys another time, God loves to do this stuff, he says, guys, go in the city, there's going to be a colt tied up, Go tell the people th that, that I need the cult. And so they said, okay, we're going to go do it. But Lord, what do we tell them when we get there? And just he said, when you untie the cult, because it's somebody's cult, when you untie it, just tell them, the Lord needs this cult. So imagine if you're just chilling at your house and two strangers walk up, untie your colt. I know none of us have these, just imagination. And so, and, and the colt gets untied, and you say, hey, to somebody on your porch, hey, you stealing my donkey? And they say, yeah, the Lord needs this donkey. I wonder if there's something in your possession that God needs in this season. Because most of us are looking at what we have like, man, all I got is fish, all I got is bread, and I got a donkey, but that's all that I have. Could it be that the thing that you see is insignificant in your life that the thing that you see is common in your world, that no one would ever want to use fish and bread and colts, that God's saying in this season, for me to do what I want to do, I need what you have. I don't just want that thing, but I actually need that thing. I, I, I want to give to the Lord something in my life that God actually needs use of. 
And I'll, I'll tell you, write down three things. There's three things that God always needs in every season of your life. He always needs time. He always needs talent. And he always needs treasure. He's always looking to use the time, talent, and treasure you have. Time is a beautiful thing because when you start to use your time efficiently and you use your time in, a, in an adequate fashion with a lot of wisdom, God will actually take your time and redeem your time. Anybody like, like me by show of hands, you ever waste time? You ever waste a whole bunch of time? But all of a sudden, when you start using your time wisely, you ever notice time is like money in this way? That when you start to get really responsible with time, you don't have less of it, you have more of it. Money's this way. When I get really into my finances and I'm really careful with my dollars and I'm paying attention to my budget, I don't actually have less money, I have more money. And, and could it be that God in this season is asking of you, I want you to give me some of your time. I want you to give me some of your talent. And most of us for talent, when we talk about talent, most of us are going, no, no, God, I can't give you my talent because I need my talent to build my brand and my company and my thing. But actually, I believe that when you put God's house first, it brings a blessing to your house second. So I actually look at what I have and I don't look at it in a way of like, oh, ooh, okay, you get this much of time, God, and this is the talent I'm willing to surrender, and, and this, this, is the, this is the treasure I will allow you. Is this enough? Quite the opposite. I actually say to God, God, if you need fish, bread, donkey, time, does it, it all belongs to you, God. I'm not trying to, like, sometimes I'll go to my son and just to test, with, test him and mess with him, I'll ask him for, like, a piece of his cookie. And I'll cozy up to him. I'll say, son, do you think I could get a piece of the cookie? It's like clockwork. And I watch him think in his head. In his head, he's saying, I cannot believe you just had the audacity to ask me for my cookie. In his head, he's thinking, Dad, I don't want to give you nothing, but I know you paid for it. So I watch him break off a microscopic crumb. No bird can even identify this crumb. And we're like that with God, aren't we? Because we think the source of the cookie won't buy us another cookie. Can't supply another cookie. And most of us are giving to God crumbs when we should be giving our best. Though he was rich, he gladly became poor. Because he knew that this is the type of sacrifice that is honoring to my father. So what God is really after in your life is not that all of us give the same amount, but it's that all of us make the biggest sacrifice we can make. In fact, write down number two. I love this. God's not looking for equal in giving. He's looking for equal in sacrifice. 
Because I'll tell you, there's a whole bunch of people that go to church here. Me and my wife can't even come close to how much you can give. We're in a different category. You can give way more than me, but I'll tell you what. God is not looking at the person on your right hand and your left hand and measuring you up against so-and-so, and you didn't give as much as Tim and Jill, and Tim and Jill gave this much, and, and, and Ralph and Sal Sally gave this much, and you only gave. No, no. We are not equal in giving, but we can be equal in sacrifice. And what honors God? Is it the amount or is it the heart? What honors God? Is it the amount or is it the sacrifice? That say, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to sacrifice my bread. I'm going to sacrifice my colt. I'm going to sacrifice my fish in such a way that honors the Lord. I love that story of Jesus and, and, and he's watching the offerings come in. And imagine this if we did it at Zoe. We, you know, the giving is so secretive now. It's all on your phone. And a lot of people got those little things over their phone. Nobody can even see what you're texting. So I don't know what you're giving. And so it's secretive nowadays, just on a little phone. Imagine back in the day when they would bring up the offerings to the altar. One time they're bringing all the offerings up. Let me just read it to you. Watch this. This is Jesus. He's watching the offering time, and a woman comes to bring her offering to the Lord. It says this in, in uh, Mark chapter 12. Jesus sat down opposite the place where the offerings were put and watched the crowd putting their money into the temple treasury. Many rich people threw in large amounts, but a poor widow came and put in two very small copper coins worth only a few cents. Calling his disciples to him, Jesus said, truly, let me tell you something. This poor widow has put more into the treasury than all the others. They all gave out of their wealth, but she, out of her poverty, put in everything, all she had to live on. And let me ask you, is it the amount that will move the heart of God or is it the sacrifice that will move the heart of God? Jesus stopped the whole, the whole moment and said, Let me, I want to teach you something. This girl, it's only a couple of cents that she gave, but I can tell she sacrificed something. I want to be a person that's generous, that I'm not just going like, you get this, you get that, and this is all I'm willing to do. No, I want to give a sacrifice that's pleasing to the Lord. I want to give a sacrifice that the Lord would stop the whole offering and say, I'm pleased with what you put in the offering plate because that costs you something. Somebody thank God today. I'm giving time that will hurt me a little bit. I'm giving talent that will hurt me a little bit. I'm giving treasure that will actually bring a, a fragrance that is a beautiful aroma to the Lord. When you give like that, God's woo. Did you see what so and so just? They gave up their whole Sunday to serve at Zoe Church. They gave up their talent. We got so many people in our church that give up their talents. Well, you know, we have lawyers that offer up for free and keep all of our contracts in order, so Zoe Church don't get sued. Somebody give me an amen for that. <laughs> Jesus is Lord. I felt the Holy Spirit. We got lawyers that give up their time. We've got writers that give up their time. We've got artists that give up their time. Video, all the videos you see, those are all volunteers. Every image you see up there, those are all designers that volunteer. All the Zoe kids workers over there, it's all volunteer. I wonder if we can give in such a way that the Lord is saying, I see the sacrifice you make, and it's the sacrifice that I, that it's the same spirit that my son carried, you carried at Zoe Church. We cannot be equal in giving, but I tell you what, we can be equal in our sacrifice. 
it was it was a, it was an eye opener the other day we threw an event and it was very innocent in in as far as motive we wanted to honor the people at Zoe Church the, the top givers and people that give uh you know significantly and faithful tithers faithful to give at Zoe Church and so we had a little uh thing the other night and we brought them in and I just want to thank the people that are really helping us expand our church and and so you know I posted a couple photos online and I, it was such an insight that in my comment section some people started to attack me and it, I didn't take it any offense to it because it was eye-opening and some people said well is this are these top givers is it income to raise to to tithe ratio and I thought to myself in I might have missed the point here because the heart is good I want to honor our top givers but there's people in our church that are given over and above what they make and they should be honored even more Come on, somebody just thank God and honor the people. I just, I thought that was so insightful. You know, by the way, when people criticize you, you don't always have to be defensive. You can learn something from criticism. And I read those comments. I thought, man, there's got to be a way for us to do a better job to honor the people that are given, not equal, but they're given in sacrifice. Amen to that. And I'll tell you what, you know, when you start to live, you really start to live when you start to give. In fact, would you write that down, number three? You start living. This is when living starts. True living starts with giving. In fact, if I was, if I was being a youth pastor still, but I got to be grown up. I'm 39 now, y'all. I'll say it this way. I almost put it down like this on the screen, but I got to be sophisticated. It's the, you know, we're having church now. You ain't living till you start giving. I really believe that. You really aren't living the fun adventure, the God life that he's, he's planned for you, you ain't living till you start giving. Because when you start giving, I'm telling you, you, the world of the generous is a world you want to be a part of. When you are generous with your, with your time and your talent, and what's that last T? Seven people said it. Some of you are like, mm -mm, not saying it. I don't want to, no, God, I'm not there. We just, no, mm-mm. When you are, I'm going to get everybody now. If, when, you're, when you're generous with your time and your talent and your, there you go, make me spin. When you're generous, I, you start living when you start giving. And I'm talking about when you give compliments. Anybody love a good compliment? Not a backhanded compliment. You ever get a backhanded compliment? And you're like. Like, I know your heart. But like, that actually hurt. Oh. Like, I had this lady the other day. I was walking outside to go say hi to everybody. And she stopped me on the sidewalk. She said, ooh. I've been listening to you for a, a lot of years. You finally got me this time. Thank you so much. I'm talking about being generous with, with kindness, generous with forgiveness, generous with love. There's so many ways to be generous. When you start giving and start giving and start adding and, you know, you know I, I just believe this. When you make someone else light up, it doesn't diminish your light. 
when you give to somebody else, it doesn't make you bankrupt. Do you think Jesus is like, oh, oh, I gave too much when I was down there. Oh, it's really hurt me, man. I was giving like healings and speeches, these, these talks I was giving on these boats and these hills. Oh, I bet you Jesus is in heaven going like I gave everything I had. True living is attached to giving. You're not really living the life you're intended to live until you live a generous life. And I love being a part of a generous church, and I try and be a generous person because the Bible promises us in Proverbs. It says the world of the generous gets larger and larger. But it actually says the world of the stingy gets smaller and smaller. I want you to look at your world today and I want you to ask yourself, do you have a big world or a small world? Because the seed that you sow, the generosity you use decides the harvest you enjoy. You cannot blame God for your stinginess. You cannot tell God, why don't I have that many friends? Why don't I have that much stuff going on? Why don't I have that much blessing? Why don't I? No, no, no. If the harvest you see in your heart is attached to the seed you sow in your life. So I'll tell you, you start living. I had a revelation. I had always given my time. In fact, when I was in Bible college, they gave me an award my senior year. They gave me an award for serving my, my, my city. I was a youth pastor for six years in East L.A., in the hood, in the barrio, Batos Locos Forever Homes. Six years, burritos, tacos, speedos, the whole thing. So, sorry, they lost me at speedo. And, um. And so I served, I gave him my time, all my talents. I gave the Lord when I was 18 years old. I said, here's all my talent. I'll use my personality. I'll use my gifts. I'll use everything you gave me for your glory. But I didn't have a revelation on treasure until I was about 28. When I was 28 years old, I had an understanding of giving that opened my eyes to how this whole thing works. And so I got to the third part. You might be here today and you already understand treasure, but you have not given God your time. You might be given your time, but you have not given God your talent. I want to encourage you, you will start to really live in the fashion and the function, the way that God has created you to, to walk in when you start to give. When you give like this, oh gosh, look at, you can't make this up. Look at Luke 7, I love this. Luke chapter 6, sorry, Luke chapter 6 verse 38. Look at this, this is Jesus talking. This is not a preacher, this is Jesus. He says, give generously and generous gifts will be given back to you. Shaken down to make room for more. Could it be that you don't have room to handle God's blessing in your life? Could it be that you need to give a whole bunch away to make room for more of what God wants to do in you? Abundant gifts will pour out upon you with such an overflowing measure that it will run over the top. Listen to this, your measurement. Somebody needs to hear this today because this is the, tr the truth and the principles of God's word. Your measurement of generosity becomes the measurement of your return. Woo! Slap somebody on that one. I feel like dancing right there because God's telling me the generosity I use is the generosity that's coming back. 
So if I want to live in a world where people will give me time and people will give me talent and people will give me treasure, it's up to me to be a person that gives other my time and other people my talent and other people my treasure and all of a sudden the measure I use, come on, somebody help me today, that God's going to bless you beyond your wildest dreams based upon the measure that you use. I just wonder that if we can look at a crownless king and he is the standard, he is the mark, he is the model, he is the prototype, he is the perfect example of generosity. The Bible says Jesus was so busy, he didn't have time to eat. Why? Because he gave up his time. He was exhausted and his virtue was gone. Woman grabs his robe, he's like, my virtue's gone. Why? Because he gave away all of his talent. All of his treasure, he was rich, became poor. He is the model of generosity. And I just wonder if you can respond to the faithfulness of God and say, God, you've got me. I'm not going to hold back and be stingy. I'm not going to hold back and give you just one thing. No, I give you my life. In fact, right down the last thing, this is so encouraging to me. Right down number four, I end with this. Giving is simply responding. When I give, all that I'm doing is responding to God. Like, think about this. When I worship and I lift my hands and I lift my voice, I'm not initiating generosity. I'm responding to God's generosity. I'm saying, you've been so faithful. You've been so kind. You've been so loving. You've been so good. I have to respond. And the way I have to respond is by giving you the praise and the honor that you deserve. So what will what will your response be? Will you respond to the cross and respond to grace by saying, "All right, a little bit here, a little bit there, a little bit there. That's what the cross is worth to me." respond by just saying, God, you have everything. My bank is yours. My house is yours. My cars are yours. My children, you know, I've given my children over to God.